there was a pop-up came on Facebook the other night and said, <clears throat> for fathers, the average age for a male to be a father is between, in 2018, 28 and 35. So I thought to myself, I rebuke this ad. I am not looking at this ad any longer because something's moving and something's going to change. <laughs> All right, are you ready for the word? So I'm not a biological father. And you know, every year I tell the elders, every year I'm like, Mother's Day and Father's Day, it is difficult for me. It is. Um, but I've learned one thing that the places that you lack in your life, the Holy Spirit sends somebody to make up. And so I stand here today because somebody believed in me. Somebody loved me. They believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. That's my pastor. His wife. And my aunt and uncle as well. And so, if you don't have a biological father. Family has nothing to do with blood. God will send somebody in your life to speak to you. So whether you're a spiritual father, or you're a biological father, or going to be a father, I pray that you open your ears and hear this word today. Because I, I really believe, I was excited to preach it, and I'm not always excited about preaching Father's Day sermon, but I am this year. And I want you to open your heart up. Matthew chapter 3, and I want you to look at this scripture. Today I want to preach on the thought, our Heavenly Father, the ultimate example. Our Heavenly Father, the ultimate example. Would you say that with me? Our Heavenly Father, the ultimate example. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him in saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had baptized, Jesus came up out immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and lightning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Lord, add your blessing to the preaching of the Word. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Our Heavenly Father, our ultimate example, the ultimate example. Do you know it takes more to get a driver's license than it is to be a father? It takes more to get a driver's license than it is to be a parent. Think about it. And parent, being a parent, whether you're a mother or father, is probably one of the most difficult responsibilities anybody could have. And the reason that it's difficult is because there is no magical formula or no handbook that comes with being a parent. Listen, having a child will teach you how to sacrifice. Having a child will teach you to be patient. Having a child will teach you to forgive. Having a child will even teach you how to pray. And even though, even though it may be hard, I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, that there is no greater joy 
than to hear some, uh, some little child say mommy and daddy. That's a great joy to hear those words. Mommy and daddy. And even though being a parent comes with great challenges, and even though being a parent comes with great responsibility, and there are rewards to it and there's risks to it, but I really believe that there are some common denominators in being a good parent, and especially on this Father's Day, being a good father. Now, many people have different parenting skills. Some think you don't need to do this. Some think you need to do time out. Some think you need to spank. Some people, you know, there's many different ways that people have or philosophies on how to raise a child. But what I want to point out from our Heavenly Father, there are at least three things that our Heavenly Father gives us a clue in Scripture in how to be the best parent that you can be. And I want to share those with you today as a father or even as a mother. I want to share the three examples or the three principles from our Heavenly Father to show us how to be that parent. Now, as I am preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself as well. Because anytime I study, this is a sermon to myself for my spiritual growth and development as well. And so I want you to see something that I think is so very, very vital and so very, very important. Do you know, let me say this, do you know, and this is very important, so I don't want you to lose me. Do you know that the baptism of Jesus is recorded in the book of Matthew? It's recorded in Mark chapter 1, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 3. Now, it's interesting that this story, the baptism of Jesus, is listed in three Gospels, and yet two of the Gospels tell it differently. Luke chapter 3, the Bible tells us that John did not baptize Jesus. Now, I didn't really know that until further investigation, but the Scripture is clear in Luke chapter 3, in Luke chapter 3 and verse number 21, Luke 3, 21, the Scripture indicates to us that John the Baptist is not there. Now, I just read to you in Matthew 3 that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. But in this account, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus was not baptized by John. The Bible says when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized while he prayed the heavens were open. We don't know whether John truly baptized him. We don't know if a disciple baptized him or a religious leader baptized him or a rabbi baptized him. How do we know that? Because in Luke 3 verse 20 and above, John is in prison. So we have two accounts that's telling us two separate things here. One says that John baptized Jesus in the Jordan, and the other account says it doesn't really give us whether John did it or not. Now, I'm not arguing with the Scriptures by no means. I'm just saying that there's two accounts here from two different disciples given their uh, eyewitness of what took place. And this is interesting to me because I believe it gives us a principle on this Father's Day. I mean, we got to ask the question, who baptized Jesus? Did John really baptize him? I would assume so, yes. Because one of the Gospels said so. And even though it wasn't mentioned in Luke, it's a fur, it, we infer on the text that John did it, but it didn't mention that John did it. So I would come to the conclusion that John truly baptized him, even though Luke never mentioned it. Because the other account in Mark mentions John as well. So we just assume that John baptized him and we refer upon the text in Luke that John baptized him. Now why is that important? Because many people will argue back and forth 
Did he baptize them? Did he not baptize them? Who baptized them? I've even heard people say, was Mary there? Was his mother there? Was, was um, you know, was any of the rabbis there? Was religious leaders there? Who was really there? And I really believe that the main point that I want to bring out today is this. It really doesn't matter who was there. It doesn't even matter who baptized Jesus. It doesn't matter whether Mary baptized him or were his disciple baptized. It doesn't really matter. What really matters is that his father was there. His father was recorded in Luke chapter 3, Mark 1, and Matthew 3. The father was there. That's consistent. The father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What can we learn from this? How can we learn from our heavenly father? We can learn from our heavenly father by being there for our children. We don't know who was at his baptism. We don't know indefinitely who baptized him. But we do know, ladies and gentlemen, that the father was there. And listen, if we're going to be the parent that God has destined us to be, we've got to be there for our children. Can I hear an amen? The father was there in Matthew. The father was there in Mark. And the father was there in Luke. The father was present in all three synoptic gospels because it pinpoints the principle that our heavenly father is giving us the example that we should be there for our children. Why is that important? Because Matthew through, excuse me, Malachi to Matthew, there are 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. God didn't speak. As a matter of fact, when God wanted a message to his, to the Virgin Mary, he didn't speak it himself. He sent an angel called Gabriel to speak. There was 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. God didn't speak. And when he did speak at the beginning of the New Testament, it was always through angels. But it's interesting to me that after 400 years of silence, the very first time that God speaks he speaks in Matthew chapter 3, and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, God broke his silence to say something about his child. Did you all hear what I just said? He broke his silence to say something about his child. After 400 years of silence, he then begins to speak. And the very first time he speaks, he speaks something about his child. What, is, what am I trying to say? I'm saying this. As a parent, we have to show up and be there for our child. You've got to be, you've got to have the ministry of presence. You've got to be there. You don't got to be perfect. You've got to be present. You have to be present, not perfect. You've got to be present, not perfect. You have to be present, not perfect. And the Father demonstrates to us that He was there. In all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Father was always there saying something about His Son. We don't know for sure who was at His baptism. People can argue whether John baptized Him or not. That don't matter. The one thing that really does matter is the Father was there in all three accounts. And the Heavenly Father shows us that true example that we have to be there. We've got to be there. And not only be there, but you've got to say something about your children. 
After 400 years of silence, God broke the silence and said something about his child. He shows up and says, this is my son, and I'm going to say something about my son. I'm going to stand up for my son. I'm going to say something for my son. You see, isn't it interesting that in these Gospels, it doesn't record that somebody baptized by praying a prayer. Now don't lose me, because this is powerful. In in Matthew, it does not say that John took Jesus and prayed over him and baptized. Baptism was an initiation rite. It was borrowed from the the mikvah in the Jewish world, where the mikvah was a baptismal ritual where people went down naked and they were cleansed. That idea was borrowed into the Christian community. There was no prayers prayed. It was a ritual that was done. In other words, this is important. There was no invitation for the Father to come. The Father just showed up at His baptism. And if you're going to be a true father, you don't need an invitation to be involved in your children's life. You don't need an invitation to be involved in your children's life. People say, well, I'd be involved in their life if I had a good relationship with their mother. God didn't say that. God didn't say, well, I have something against Mary. I'm kind of jealous because Joseph is his earthly father. So uh, you know what? I'm just going to not be involved in his life. That's the day and age that we live in. We live in a day and age where fathers don't want to be a part of their children's life because of a wrong relationship they have with their mother. Listen, baby, you're the one that got in the bed and made the baby. It has nothing to do with that child. Your relationship with the mother has nothing to do with that child. If you're man enough to get in the bed to make it, you should be man enough to be a father and take care of that baby. In other words, in other words... They didn't pray at the baptism, Lord, show up. The Lord didn't need an invitation to show up and say something about his child. And you don't need an invitation to be present in your children's life. You don't need an invitation to be present in your child's life. Don't wait to be asked, but be present, show up and say something. What does this teach us, ladies and gentlemen? It teaches us that the Father was present in all three Gospels. The Father was there. And if we're going to be an example of our Heavenly Father, we've got to know we've got to be present in our child's life. Not only do we got to be present, but we got to speak up and say something. The Father spoke after 400 years of silence. The Father spoke. And you've got to learn to speak up and say something to your children. Be active in their life. They are not only physical, they are emotional and they are spiritual. Words count. Affirmation count. He spoke up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You see, there's a difference between a baby daddy and a father. Come on, somebody. A baby daddy will show up at graduation, but a father will be at the parent-teacher conference. Come on, somebody. A baby daddy will show up at the birthday party, but a father will pray with the child at bedtime. The baby daddy will look at the report card, but the father will help him with homework during the week. Somebody say amen. It's more than just having a baby. 
It is being there. It's being present. It's speaking up. And that's exactly what our father did. Our father spoke up on behalf of his son. Our father not only spoke up, but he was present for his son. The very beginning of his ministry. So not only do you have to be there. Number one, you've got to be there. Number two, you've got to speak to their potential. Speak to their potential. Yes, look at this. This is so exciting. John chapter number 1, verse 49. The Scripture records in John 1 and 49, Nathaniel makes this statement and says, you are the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. So everybody shout this with me. You are the Son of God. And who makes that declaration? Nathaniel makes that declaration. The Bible also says in Matthew 16, verse 16, Matthew 16 and verse number 16, somebody else makes a declaration. And the Scripture says it was Peter that says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Everybody shout, Son of God. Everybody shout Peter. So Nathaniel was the first person to make the declaration. Peter is the second person to make the declaration. And then the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 27, verse 54, 27, verse 54, the Bible says there's a man at the crucifixion who is a Roman centurion. And the Bible says that this Roman centurion at the foot of the cross says, you are the Son of God. Now let's stop here. Nathaniel said in John 1, you're the Son of God. Simon says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, you're the Son of God. The Roman centurion says in Matthew 27, you're the Son of God. But what I want you to see here is this. Before Nathaniel said he was the Son of God, before Peter declared he was the Son of God, before the Roman centurion declared he was the Son of God, guess who said he was the Son of God first? The Father. The Father was the first person that said he was the Son of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, look at it. The Bible says that the Father was the first one. Matthew chapter 3 in verse 17. Matthew 3 in verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So ladies and gentlemen, let me just stop here and say this, that the father acknowledged that Jesus was the son of God before Nathaniel said it, before Peter said it, before the Roman centurion said it. The father affirmed that he was the son of God. The Father spoke to His potential and said, you are the Son of God. Listen, everybody else can praise your children. Everybody else can say nice things about your child. But they only have one daddy. And they only have one mother. And if it's going to come from anybody's mouth, it needs to come from your mouth. It needs to come from your mouth. It doesn't need to come from Nathaniel's. It doesn't need to come from Simon's. It doesn't need to come from the Roman centurion. It has to come from your mouth. Are you too macho to stand up and say, I love you? Put your arm around your child? This father teaches us that you've got to show up. 
This father teaches us you've got to open your mouth and say something. This father teaches us that you've got to say and affirm their potential. Everybody else can praise him, but their daddy needs to praise him first. Their daddy needs to say it first. You know why this is important? Regina, I discovered this. This is awesome. You ready for this? Let me raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm ready. Are you ready for this? Look at this. Matthew 3, 17. Look at this. Matthew 3, 17. Look at the comparison. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now let's stop there. You switch over one chapter. Matthew 4. All right? Matthew chapter 4. And the Bible says... Verse 3, go to the next chapter. Matthew 4, verse 3. Now when the tempter came, he said, if you are the Son of God. Stop. Get the comparison. Matthew 3, 17. Go back to Matthew 3, 17. Look at it. Matthew 3, 17. The Scripture says that God affirmed who Jesus was. This is my beloved son I'm well pleased in. The tempter came the next chapter in Matthew 4, verse 3, and said, if you are the son of God. So what are you saying? Get this principle. When a father speaks to his child and affirms his child of their possibility and of their potential, you are preparing your child for the adversary in the next chapter of their life. The enemy came and started trying to make him doubt who he was. But Jesus said, no, you're not, because I remember my daddy told me who I was. My daddy told me who I was. Fathers, it's time to start telling your daughters that they're beautiful. So that when a knucklehead comes along and tries to They'll say, no, 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 my daddy already told me how beautiful I am. I don't need you to be rubbing all over me trying to get something. I know who I am. I know who my worth is. My daddy already told me who I was. Somebody help this preacher shout a little bit. So when you begin to affirm your children, you prepare them to face the challenges of the enemy. You speak to him. You say, well, I don't believe in all that. Well, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It works. It works. There's something about the words of a father. This is my son. Even though the enemy tried to make him doubt it, but Jesus said, my father has already told me who I was. <laughs> <laughs> my father already told me who I was. You know, I, I'm not much for cartoons, but the, 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 cart or the, the animated movie Lion King, right? Y'all remember that? And Z is it Zimba? Simba. Something like that. So anyway, he, isn't there a part in the movie where he, he, you know, his father's dead. Is that right, his father? What's his father's name? Mufasa. 
So he's dead, he runs up, and I think the movie has where he looks at himself in the water, and his father begins to speak to him and says, son, you have so much more on the inside of you. And if I remember the story correctly, guess what that little lion did? And he ran back into the wild. Be a lion king in somebody's life. There's so much negativity. Why don't you be a lion king in somebody's life? Why don't you speak to him and build him up and encourage him? Be generous and be loving and be a hero in somebody's life. Quit being a zero and be a hero. You've got to speak to their potential. Number three, in closing, you've got to affirm them. I said you've got to affirm them. That doesn't mean you welcome their behavior. It doesn't mean you approve of everything they've done. But you can affirm them of your love for them. Jesus, the Bible says, God said in Matthew 3.17, the Bible says that God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He affirmed Him. I'm pleased with you. And Pastor David, you know what? This is hilarious. Jesus didn't do anything yet. Jesus hasn't healed the sick. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't died on the cross yet. He hasn't done anything really but worked 30 years for his stepfather as a carpenter. This is the beginning of his ministry. And the father is saying, I'm pleased with you. Because you know what a real father does? A real father's pride is not connected to what you do. It's connected to who you are. It's connected to who you are. Jesus hasn't raised any dead. He hasn't performed any miraculous miracles. He hasn't done anything great yet. But the Father said, my approval of you and my acceptance of you and my pride of you has nothing to do with whether you can turn the water into wine and raise the dead. I approve of you already. Hallelujah. You see, Matthew 3 and verse 17 says, and suddenly a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. This was a public place. He affirmed him publicly. But Luke, go to Luke, he affirmed him privately. Luke chapter 3, he affirmed his son privately. Look at the pronoun in Luke. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21 and when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that also Jesus was baptized while He prayed, the heavens were open. Verse number 22, And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon Him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are My beloved Son. Stop. You see the difference? In Luke, He made it personal. 
you are my son. In Matthew, he said, this is my son. He made a public declaration and said, this is my son. But in Luke, he said, you are my son. One was public, one was private. Because if you can't praise your son privately, then your public words of affirmation is none effect. It's private affirmation. Public affirmation. This is my son and I'm proud of it. See, as we celebrate Father's Day today, don't feel beat up. This ain't a beat up sermon. This is an example from our Heavenly Father. You've got to show up, folks. You've got to speak up. You've got to speak to their potential so it can prepare them for the adversary. You've got to affirm them publicly and privately. It's not based upon what they do. It's based on who they are. Our Father is the greatest example what it means to be that father. What it means to be the greatest parent of all times. Amen. Amen.